This is Naked by the Future Farm, where entrepreneurship is stripped to its vulnerable core. Brought to you by Vladimir Brestinska and Nectarios Lolios. And remember to subscribe, follow, and rate Naked to help us share it with the world. So how is Athens, Nectarios? First of all, I'm in Athens, Vladi. Did you know ah. that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Athens is pretty amazing. Um, because I'm here mainly to start building a relationship with Greece. Myself, after both my parents have passed away in the last few years, and my relationship with the country was because of them. And mm. I'm really enjoying being here for me. And Oh, I think somebody's printing. <laughs> so I can't stop this. It's okay. It's Sorry. okay. This is a little bit. Yeah. It's serious. It sounds like somebody's got a dot matrix printer from 1985. It, it, it also looks like so. Yeah. Okay, cool. We, we agree. Old, old, old printer. Um, yeah, so Athens is amazing because I came from cold and rainy London to 28 degrees in sun and just after Greece has opened up after the lockdown. So people are desperate to be out and having a drink. And having a meal and meeting with friends was so a real nice atmosphere about it. Um, and yeah, I don't really know the city, so it's also just nice to get to to places. And just now, I just come from a lunch with with a former fintech friend, and he booked a place where the food was okay, but the view onto the Acropolis was just unbelievable. Now I feel like you know when we are reversed, like when I'm usually sitting in front of the. <laughs> you know, mosque in Islamabad and sort of like, you know, bragging about it. And I'm like now sitting in this gloomy yeah. London and I'm like, jealous. Which is true. Now you're in London, which is also not the norm. Yeah, it's but it's good. How are you? How's um, London? It's good. I mean, well, the, the weather is so so, but I don't want to make this a weather conversation, but it does impact how you feel. Mm. Um, other than that, it's fine. We, I think we have landed on the decision to actually travel to Pakistan. Um, now it's like next week, but when, as you are guys listening to it, actually it's probably Thursday next week. So in few days, so next Sunday, we should be, we should be traveling, which is, um, which is exciting. I've been missing the country and the people. Uh, it, there is a little bit of risk to it because we don't really know what we are walking into because you just can know a certain amount of data, but uh, that, that it's a very different context. Um, but excited, excited. Mm. And um, other than that, I'm doing well. So as I told you, I think in our last chat that I started my therapy. Um, so I had my two sessions. Um, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Um, I have sort of eight more sessions to go and then I'll see. So it feels like, oh, I have this space for myself. It really sort of feels like very precious. That's how I feel about it. It's like, it's just mine, you know? So I'm sort of really grateful for it. Um, so overall, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, um, which is good, which is good. I'm appreciative of it. Yeah. But I was about to ask you, actually, so Athens, Greece, I know that you are talking to local entrepreneurs and, and you know, we'll get to Michael and the reflections on the episode. But before we go there, did you have any chance to talk to the local entrepreneurs in Greece about the work we do with Future Farm and mental health? And what's the lay of the land there? Um, 
uh, that will take us down a very different path. We mm. don't really talk much about when I talk about what the future farm is, a lot of people really don't understand it because mm-hmm. we're talking about a country where the subject is still quite taboo. We're talking about a country where most of the entrepreneurs are men and men talking about these things are uh, is more difficult than women. Um, so it's the male taboo, they're showing vulnerability, it's entrepreneur taboo and it's societal Mediterranean culture taboo. So there's the occasional conversation with the VC who goes, yeah, I've seen this happening in my portfolio. Maybe we should think about doing something. Uh, or when you have a one-to-one with the founder, like tonight I'm having a drink with Kent who wrote a wonderful piece to us about this dark mm-hmm. place that he was in uh, a while ago. So there are people, but it's not as... It's not very broad in in the UK and the US either, but at least there we have a conversation. Here it feels like you even have to explain to people what you actually mean when you talk about mental and emotional well-being. Interesting. Mm, Okay. Okay. It's interesting that you said that um, fact about women and men because Michael referred to that as well, right? Dr. Michael Freeman on the last episode where he said that – in the answer to the question about systemic change and how investors are sort of reacting to it, he said that in his own experience, more women, like female VCs, like women VCs are more open to it than, than the male counterparts. And um, it's, it's an angle that can be interesting for us to unpack, you know, how much of that, um, and I don't want to go into feminine, feminine and masculine energies because I know that we talked about this and they're not necessarily related to, to gender. Uh, but yeah, I think there's, there's probably something, something there. So, yeah. <laughs> so Michael Freeman, uh, I love the intro as I was re-listening, you know, being the, the big fan of this guy, which, which is so true. Like I was, I was smiling through most of the most of the episode as I was listening to it. Um, and, and it was just very insightful. Like mm. really going into it again, I made a lot of notes. Um, I feel like I have to re-listen to some of the things again to make it really lend with me. Um, I have few insights, but before I go there, what was the sort of a, one of the biggest takeaways for you personally? The tick. The biggest takeaway for me was also the reason, also the title we chose for the episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, This very simple, but so poignant question. If you care about entrepreneurs as people, then you care about a lot of things that we talk about. If you look at entrepreneurs as an investment, as a bet, as a utility, as fuel to your venture capital fund or as something glorified that you see in the media, then of course you detach the human from it and then they become a persona and therefore... So that thing resonated with me and it was nice and maybe our listeners find quite quite interesting to see what happens in the background. So we sent Michael an an email telling him that the episode is live now and he came back to us saying, thank you for picking up that particular line because mm-hmm. it means a lot to him as well, right? Because that's what we, the whole conversation led to for me. So I thought, I thought this was really the thing that even I have to remind myself of occasionally when I talk to people, that mm-hmm. they're people. Mm-hmm. And he was very straightforward about it, right? When he said like, um, 
do you care about entrepreneurs as people? And most of the time, the answer is no. And that's the reality. Um, I was, as I was listening through it, and I think it was also after we recorded, but also then going back to it, I, it left me with sort of a feeling of like, and, and I'm going to bring this to, to make it a little bit more personal. It's like, where do I find myself on that scale when he was defining like the 50% is of being an entrepreneur is genetically transmitted and 50% is the brain plasticity. And then you can learn this is, it is the n- sort of nature versus nurture. And I went back to my sort of family tree and, you know, the nuclear family and, uh, you know, my parents are engineers. I mean, none of my grandparents were sort of on their entrepreneurial journey. I was thinking about the mental health conditions in the family. And I think we could dig something out there. Uh, but still, it sort of left me. It's interesting, like this reflection personally was like, I potentially might be in more inclined, like I might be in that second group, which is like, mm. you know, I've, I've in my past, like I've, learned and I'm learning to develop those personality traits and um yeah did you did it bring you anywhere close to this reflection I, I had this I had this reflection even before Michael because mm-hmm. my family isn't entrepreneurial in the traditional sense and my parents didn't build businesses but my father was a writer next to his factory job and he had a lot of extracurricular activities. But we grew up with this mindset of, hey, let's set up an event. What's the worst that can happen? And hey, let's write a book. What's the worst that can happen? So I, I come from a, so my, my risk appetite is, is very high. So for me, it's, no, sorry, is it? So I practically, I'm not worried of risk. I just yeah. jump into it. And, yeah. and, and that's something that is definitely genetic. That's definitely ge- for my dad, particularly. My mom's the opposite. Uh, and I look like my dad and I talk like my dad. And so, so there, there is something there that I instantly recognize. Um, but I think the plasticity and that piece come, the reflection on Michael's uh, conversation came more looking at, I didn't choose a career that was entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose a life. But then when I fell into it, I actually started learning the missing mm. bits. Yeah. So definitely, because that there was... familiar conscious things where you go oh my god this is different from how i operate and i need to learn to tick differently for this to work yeah like i could relate to everything he said about the personality traits like the curiosity motivation being stuck in the flow extroversion like it was like a tick 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 um but it was it was just like that feeling that i felt which was like I felt less off because I felt that I might not be genetically wired for being an entrepreneur. And, and I'm saying it as is really, because I was, as I was listening to him, I was like, and, and, and then, you know, it just makes you think it's like, okay, I'm in the same trap again. Like uh, you want to, I think he started and ended with it, which was the validation of yourself. Right. Um, and it was beautiful when he said that finding people uh, outside of your sort of entrepreneurial world that will validate you uh, as a person, not as an entrepreneur, that resonated with me. And I feel like I might just need more of that. But, but 
anyhow, I just wanted to share this with you guys that, you know, even after everything that he said, and we know how dangerous it can be to fall into that trap, I was listening through it and I was like, I want to tick the boxes. I want to be genetically wired as an entrepreneur. So, anyhow, uh, yeah, but I, I, if there is a test, I would do it. I would do the test. Um, but uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, but it's, it's also worth pointing out. There was nowhere in that conversation a statement that said that if you're not genetically predispositioned, that you cannot be a great entrepreneur. I know. I know that now it's, this is turning into a therapy, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm aware of that, but this is just how you, in some way, I think it's, it's just difficult sometimes to work with the emotions. Right. And, and it's, it's clear. There's a lot of work still, but you know what, maybe we stay with this a little bit because looking back at the hundreds of people I worked with in Startup Bootcamp, for instance, there were people who were so desperate to be a business builder. Mm. And some of them clearly would have been much happier in, in a corporate job, in a normal job, right? So there was also something in some cases, and we've seen this as well, people who become entrepreneurs because that's the family tradition. Yeah. And they might actually not be willing to do this, but they feel like pushed into this or, or they need to prove a point and whatever it is. So everybody's got their own motivation, right? And I think it's as important to say, so our kind of uh, our move to to take away the glamorization of entrepreneurship also means that, look, it's okay not to aspire to build a business, even if it's cool. It's absolutely fine to say, you know what, I've tried it. It was really hard and now I'm back in a in a more predictable role or something that is a little bit more structured and it makes me happier so let's make sure that whoever listens also goes you know what i had this itch but the itch is really not strong enough and and staying where i am may also be the right choice because yeah, totally yeah totally no i i i was i think i said it on, on the session we had with the with the entrepreneurs in singapore and from ucl last week uh, that uh one of my very first early entrepreneurs I was supporting. So it was, a, she was a serial entrepreneur and she joined this program like to develop another idea. And a few weeks in, we just have those number of one-on-one -on -one conversations coaching. And she's like, I don't want to do this. Like, I just cannot, I'm not in that phase of life that I again want to go on the roller coaster and everything related to it. And it was, I felt like it was equally if not more hard for her or mm. difficult for her to get away from that cycle and be okay with who she is and get herself on a different path and she did it and she oh my lord I mean she just flourished it was so beautiful to see her how she actually uh, find herself found herself in a different path which was executive she became a brilliant executive and she brought a lot of the entrepreneurial traits actually as an entrepreneur and she needed a safety and security in that part, part of the life, the mm. face. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think today for me was just, um, it was interesting to feel that I'm also, as a reminder that we are also humans and, you know, we don't have it figured out. Like that feeling of like, why do I need to be validated by taking the boxes, right? So, yeah, it's it's there's a lot to unpack still for each of us. I enjoyed the conversation for many reasons. So one of them is, is that we were talking to somebody who's that rare combination of somebody who's seen it from all aspects, but has 
the the training to look at it through the lens of a psychotherapist. So it's something there uh, that we actually had an expert, but not just an expert, but also somebody who's been in the field who had grassroots experience. I think that was super important. The other thing that really stayed with me was when 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 Martha was talking about numbers, he was actually putting context around some of the numbers we, yes. we he published, Absolutely. we shared, right? So when we talk mm-hmm. about the 75%, it's important because I know that some people picked up on this in isolation. So it's not like 75% of people who start a business will experience a mental health kind of challenge themselves. It's like within their immediate environment or themselves right so it could be a mom it could be a dad a sibling etc and then when you kind of have that in your mind you go of course pretty much everyone you know who builds a business runs a business etc there is something if it's not themselves it's somebody around them right and i think it was it was important for me to hear it back because it gave some clarity um it just felt like we were talking to an ally, but also somebody who whose footsteps we follow, you know, somebody who made mm-hmm. them these marks in the sand and now or in the snow, and we just kind of step into this well-trodden kind of marks. <laughs> no, totally. And he even started like that when he said, like, oh, it's it's so good to see that the thoughts that I've been putting out there for the last 20 years are starting to resonate. And then when he said it, like my respect to him just, you know, exponentially like rise because if you look back, the fact that he still has a patience and dedication commitment to, to work on this with, I, I guess, also a lot of frustration that might be attached to it because mm-hmm. it takes time to move the needle and really drive proper real change, right? Where you move from the lip service and uh, so much of the talk to really doing some real change. Um, and, and, and he ended on it. it. It's interesting that it came back to the, I think there is a lot about narrative, but it came back also to the budget. It came back to who is actually really putting money behind this um, and allowing entrepreneurs to take care of themselves. Because I think the important data point that I think even I took from, from it, and I want to, if I will have the opportunity for us to raise more awareness about it, is the fact that entrepreneurs very often live below or at the poverty line. And that was such a strong statement um, in comparison to when you when you take into account that around 80% of the new jobs are created from companies that are younger than five years. And you put all of that together and you are like, why are we doing this? So yeah, I think that that was, that was important sort of uh, statement. I'm glad you brought the last number up Mm. because that's something that you don't really sit and think about is let's just play this back, right? Yeah. The majority of jobs in the U S that have been created new jobs in the U S that have been created in the five last five years were by companies that were very young by, by new businesses, by people who decided to start a business and suddenly they're creating jobs. So what we're talking about here is that, the future is built by entrepreneurs Mm. and the growth of society is driven by entrepreneurs. But the well-being of the people are doing this is less visible and less important to people who are supposed to support them. So there's a huge disconnect there. Yeah. 
right? And nobody usually associates the two. So we're talking about the thing we care about, which is the well-being of people who start businesses and grow businesses. But we don't make the connection to the bigger societal, but also economical implications of this, right? Yeah. I remember when uh, the... Um, it- sort of another psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, who is actually a practitioner, he's a head of people for a major financial services institution. He told me that when we were chatting about Future Farm, and he said, like, you just have to do a more systemic change here. Like, if you only stick with the interventions and all of it, it's focused on building up that resilience muscle for entrepreneur, that's important. But it, it sort of feels like, again, that, that's like another layer of responsibility we are putting on the entrepreneur. And so, so yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I sign up under this like many, many times and, and like, you know, strong signature, but like um, how can other players uh, play a role? And it's mm-hmm. just like, let's take that responsibility we all have, but it needs to be, it needs to be told, uh, as you said, and he, Michael was very, very clear about this. And so, yeah. It was very important to hear it. Um, I'm thinking like there were many other thoughts, uh, but I think I'll go back to the episode again and just, I was even thinking like take notes and, and use it for some our, some of our work that we do and hopefully we'll be able to actually build something with Michael. Maybe that's something like I personally uh, will end on here today is that the humbleness with which he approached us and you know how we share the story that he really did send us that email form. Uh, I had to laugh when I was listening to it again. Um, and really, I mean, he's on the journey for the last 20 years, has all the credentials, and he's looking to us as a part of the tribe community um, that is uh, doing this together. And that's powerful. Like it gave me a boost. So yeah, he validated me and Austin. So (laughs) back at the validation. So yeah. You've been listening to Naked by the Future Farm, where entrepreneurship is stripped to its vulnerable core. To learn more about our work, sign up to our newsletter or visit thefuturefarm.co, where you can also apply to be a Naked guest. Naked is produced by Dan Turgill, and edited by Catherine Walker. And remember, subscribe, follow and rate Naked to help share it with the world.